You know, sometimes when we make mistakes, maybe you felt this, maybe you've wondered, man, how can God ever forgive me for that? How can God ever repair what I have destroyed? You know, I think we can look at soil for a good illustration of how God works to restore what we've broken. You know, when we look at soil, uh, soil can get to a place where it's so degraded that it's not good for anything. Uh, nothing will grow in it. Uh, nothing is able to, uh, to, to grow. No living organisms are there and able to take life and take root. In fact, the soil can become so bad that it actually makes, uh, brings destruction to other things. But you know, it's easy to, to begin to restore this soil, but it takes some hard work. It takes uh, some effort. Uh, it takes compost. It takes uh, fertilizer. It takes building in and bringing life back to this soil. You know, sometimes we can feel dirty, we can feel used, we can feel broken, we can feel damaged, we can feel unfit to, to grow or to provide life for anything. And, and when we're like this, we can identify with the soil and we can too can be restored. We too can have new life and attention and air and moisture. And all of this can turn dusty soil into new healthy soil. And God can take what we have destroyed and can bring new life and can protect life. Last week, we saw that Jesus is the Son of God. We saw that his teachings, they showed it. We saw that his miracles proved it. And then we saw his resurrection solidified, his authority as the Messiah. And the, and the question that we must answer, not just once, but every single day of our life, is whether or not we will submit to his authority as the Messiah or not. We saw that the crowds... They were amazed that Jesus taught with authority. They were enthralled with Jesus as he healed people, as he cast out demons. But Jesus, as we're going to see today, is going to lay out the cost of following him. And unfortunately, many of those who are very excited about following Jesus, when they begin to count the cost of following him, will end up turning away and walking away for different reasons. But it's only a few that count the cost and actually stick with Jesus and continue to follow him. And so we're going to see these four types of people, and we're going to ask, who are we? Who do we identify with? We've been in our series going through the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus has been teaching us, and he has been showing us what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven, what it looks like to live under God's authority, what it looks like to, to be salt and light. And so if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Matthew, we're going to be in chapter 8, verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table, please uh, grab one as a gift from us. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's uh, closer to the back than it is the front, uh, but it's not quite in the middle. Uh, it's the first book of the New Testament, and it's also first of four books that we call Gospels, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, tell us the good news about Jesus. So Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to start there in verse 18. We're also going to have it up here on the screen, so read along with me, if you would. It says, When Jesus saw the crowd, uh, a crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. 
And then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Let's pause there for just a moment. So this teacher of the law, he, he comes and he finds Jesus. And he heard Jesus' teaching and he was amazed. He maybe even saw the signs and wonders that Jesus had performed. And he says, man, I'm willing to follow you wherever you go. But Jesus wants him to count the cost. He, he's eager to follow him wherever, but he wants him to make sure he knows what that means. And Jesus, because he wasn't just a man, because he was God and is God, he knows this man's heart. This teacher of the law, he wanted to ride the wave of Jesus' popularity. He wanted to follow the next big teacher, and he thought that following Jesus, this guy who's healing the sick and casting out demons and teaching with authority, he thought that following him would mean that he would have fame and fortune and notoriety. But Jesus tells him that Following him actually won't give him fame, but will actually mean that he probably won't have a place to even lay his head and call home. You know, the life of a rolling stone may seem to appeal to some, but it doesn't appeal to me. Uh, you know, RV living uh, has become popular because of HGTV, and, and uh, man, it's just not as simple as it looks on TV, right? And I know we have some people who, who live long-term in a camper, but they're not moving around. But, but the idea of picking up and moving and going to this place or that place, uh, man, it, it's a lot tougher than what it looks like on TV, all right? Uh, it's not for everybody. And Jesus says, look, if you follow me, it may mean that you won't have a place to live. He was willing to go anywhere until he realized what anywhere meant to realize that he wouldn't have a permanent home began to sink in. You know, oftentimes we are eager to jump in and to help and to do things. Oh, you're moving. I'll, I'll be there to help. And then they say, well, that means that I need you all day for two days in a row. Oh, uh, well, I, I, I've got something on my calendar. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you what day it was. Well, so I got something going on. I'm going to be busy, right? You know, we're eager a lot of times to jump in and help until we realize the cost of helping. This teacher of the law was eager to follow Jesus until he realized the cost of following Jesus. Until he realized that what he thought would be fame would actually be homelessness. <laughs> and I wonder if he left disappointed. Jesus doesn't promise us fame and fortune. In fact, he promises us that we will learn to not make ourselves famous, but to make God famous. We must become less so that God can become more. This teacher of the law was looking for fame, but this next guy that we're going to see was concerned about fortune. Look at verse 21 of Matthew 8. It says, Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father, but Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Let's pause there for just a moment. So this guy has started following Jesus. And, and again, in all the excitement of Jesus teaching this powerful way with authority and him casting out demons and him healing sicknesses, he was eager to follow Jesus. But then he started to remember his retirement plan. He started to remember his inheritance. Now, most likely his father hadn't just recently died or it was even close to dying, 
okay? Uh, but he says, hey, look, uh, I want to follow you, but... How many times have we said that? Jesus, I'll, I'll go do this, but let me first do this. I, I'm going to go and do this, but... but He says, I want to follow you, Jesus, but first let me go home and make sure that my earthly inheritance is taken care of. He says, look... I, let me go and finish my retirement plan. And once I retire, then I'll, I'll give you all my time, Jesus, and I'll follow you, right? This man wanted to make sure that his earthly inheritance was secure. And again, most likely his father wasn't, hadn't recently deceased or even was close to passing away. He said, I'll start following you once I do all of these things. Well, after I retire, I'll start serving you. I'll start following Jesus then. You know, he thought that following Jesus was like, like an all-you-can-eat buffet and, and that he could pick and choose what parts of Jesus that he wanted. I'll take a little bit of Jesus here and a little bit of Jesus here and, and, and I'll, I'll set Jesus down following him here and then I'll come back and pick him up later once things have settled down. He thought that he wanted to follow Jesus, but his desire for material gain won out above the idea of following Jesus. He wanted to make sure that his, he didn't jeopardize his earthly inheritance, and yet he had very little concern about his eternal inheritance. This guy seemed eager to follow Jesus until he realized the cost of following Jesus. Now, even Jesus' closest disciples are surprised by who Jesus is. And when we see this in our next verses, look at verse 23. It says, then they got into the boat and his disciples followed him and suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake and so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping and the disciples went and woke him up and said, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Many of these men that were in the boat with Jesus had spent their entire life on the water. They were fishermen, most of them. And I'm sure this wasn't the first time that they had been out on a boat in the middle of a storm. But this storm was so bad that it scared even these big burly fishermen who had spent their life on, on the water enough so that they would go and wake Jesus up from his nap. A little side note here, naps are from God, even Jesus took them, okay? <laughs> so they wake Jesus up from his nap. They had been with Jesus from day one. They had heard Jesus' teaching, they had seen him perform the miracles, they had seen him cast out demons, and yet these guys that were closest to Jesus still didn't fully grasp who Jesus was, that he wasn't just a man, that he was fully man and fully God. And the winds and the waves even obeyed his words. And they thought, who is this man that is in this boat with us? And friends, he's more than a man. He's God in the flesh. He is the son of God and the Messiah. But these disciples, even though they are surprised by who Jesus is, will continue to stick with him. And that's important because the next group of people that we see uh, doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. The large crowds that were following Jesus would soon be replaced with a terrified mob 
So Jesus and his disciples, once the storm is over, they get to the other side of the lake and there they are met by a man who is possessed by many demons. And this man had, had been possessed by all these demons and he was pushed out of the city and people didn't want to be around him at all. In fact, he was so violent that they would avoid the place that he was even staying. And so that he meets Jesus and Jesus casts out all of these demons that are in this man and they, they go into a herd of pigs that was nearby and the, the pigs run off into the lake and they drown. And for some reason, the people watching the pigs got a little upset at that. Some reason their pigs are dead. Uh, they're upset. So they go to the town and they begin to report all that Jesus was doing. They said, hey, we're just out there watching the pigs. And the next, next thing we know, they're all running off into the lake and they drown. And so the whole town comes out to meet Jesus and they weren't just the welcoming committee. Look at verse 34. They were an angry mob. It says, then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. They pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. They wanted nothing at all to do with Jesus. So here in the end of, of Matthew chapter 8, we meet four different people and four different types of people who were faced with the reality, with the truth of who Jesus is. And with that reality, with that, that, that choice, uh, comes the choice of what they will do with Jesus. Will they count the cost that he lays out for them and follow him? Or will they count the cost and then walk away? And as I was reading and studying this week, I began to wonder, I wonder if you and I might be able to relate to these four types of people. Maybe we can relate to all of them in some ways, and maybe there's been at times in our life that we've been able to relate to this one or that one. Uh, but I wonder, can we relate to these four types of different people? And as I studied, I was also reminded of another parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells this parable of this farmer. This farmer goes out and he is beginning to plant his seeds. And so he goes out and he begins to sow his seeds, just casting it out all the places that he goes. And he, he doesn't really, he's not like tilling up the soil, not like planting it in specific places. He's just casting out the seed. And so the seed falls among all types of different soils. Some of the seed falls along the path that is, is hard and compact and uh, soon is, is walked on and crushed by people as they're traveling through. Some of the seed falls among uh, the, the rocky soil. And it, it springs up very quickly, and then because it doesn't have any roots, it quickly withers out. And some of it uh, falls amongst the thorns, and it, it quickly begins to grow, but soon the thorns begin to choke out life of these crops, and then some of the seed falls on the good soil, and it, it takes root, and it begins to grow and begins to produce a crop. And I want you to listen to how Jesus explains who each of these soils represents. And then I want us to take some time to examine ourselves and see what type of person we are and what type of soil we are. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus says this, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So Jesus says the, 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 the path, the, the soil on the path, it's, it's kind of like that angry mob that we saw in Matthew chapter 8. They didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus at all, right? 
They heard about him, and then they said, uh-uh, get out of here, <laughs> right? And, and maybe, maybe this is you. Maybe you've heard about who Jesus is, and, but then you hear that Jesus calls you to repent of your sins, and you're like, uh-uh, Jesus, who are you to tell me how to live my life, right? I, I get to choose my own truth, and I get to choose how I choose to live my life, and maybe this is you, you get puffed up when, when Jesus tells you how to live your life. Or maybe you've heard of, about Jesus and you hear that he's the son of God and maybe you've just outright rejected that. Or maybe you're unwilling to follow Jesus because you're just honestly too comfortable in your own sin. You know, the path is hard, but at least the path that I know. Or maybe you've even tried to intellectualize your choice in rejecting God. Maybe you believe that something can come from nothing, or maybe you just can't understand or comprehend how a loving God could allow bad things to happen to good people, and when you say good people, you mean me. Maybe this is you. And friends, if it is, I want to challenge you this morning to examine your motivation. Examine your heart. Why do you have that view of God, of Jesus, of his word? Is it because after years of study and exploring and, and researching and, and, and testing and, and finally you come to this conclusion that all of this is, is nonsense? Or is it because that you've been hurt by, by Christians who claim to be followers of Jesus? Or is it because you're just unwilling to give up your sin. And so I ask you that if this is you, would you check your heart? Check your motivation. Why do you have this view of God, of Jesus, of his word? The mobs were like the, the soil on the path. They were hard and they were unwilling to allow the, the seed to even uh, to take root at all in their life. The seed of who Jesus was. But the teacher of the law that we saw is more like the rocky soil. Listen to how Jesus describes this in verse 13 of Luke 8. He says, those on the rocky ground are those who have received the word with joy. Right? It's like the teacher of the law. He was excited. I'll follow you wherever, Jesus. When they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The teacher of the law, he was excited. Until Jesus said, hey, following me doesn't bring you fame, it brings God fame. <laughs> Maybe this is you. Maybe you're like the teacher of the law. Maybe you're excited about Jesus. Jesus is saving me from my sin. I, I get my get out of hell ticket. And maybe I'll even collect $200 on the way through. But maybe that's as deep as your faith has gone. And then you start hearing that Jesus wants me to change. He wants me to start giving up some of those things in my life. He wants me to put to death sin. Man, you don't mind Jesus being your Lord and your boss on Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday, I'm still in charge. I don't mind you know, giving you a little bit of time on Sunday morning unless I find something better to do, but I'm the boss Monday through Saturday, Jesus. We try to look at our life and our time with Jesus and negotiated like as a custody hearing with Jesus. 
But then someone starts to question us. Man, why are you going to church? There's a bunch of crazy people there. Man, that preacher, he ain't got no, no sense. He's crazy. Why did you believe in the Bible? That's just an old book just written by men. It's not really God's word. Uh, you know, why do you follow Jesus? Yeah, I like Jesus too. He loved everyone, accepted everyone as they were, didn't ask anybody to change. And all that does, it, it's all it takes to knock us off of our faith because we don't have any roots. Friends, if this is you, I want to challenge you this morning to allow the truth of who God is and who Jesus is to move just from your head and begin to take roots down in your heart. Repent and seek Jesus. Allow the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of what the Bible teaches us, to grow roots and move from your head down to your hearts. Don't give up, but keep seeking God. Those whom Jesus loves, he rebukes. And Jesus is knocking at the door, and he's waiting for you to open it and let him in. So we have the hard path. We have the mob that rejected Jesus. We have the rocky soil like the teacher of the law who was excited and then soon fell away. And then we have the soil that's in the thorns. In verse 14 of Luke 8, Jesus says this, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they don't mature. The soil that is among the thorns is like, is like the disciples who was worried about his earthly inheritance. First, let me go back and, and bury my father. The worries and riches and pleasures of life choked out his desire to follow Jesus. And friends, maybe this is, maybe this is you. You say, yeah, I'll, I'll follow Jesus one day. I, I, I'll follow Jesus, but first let me go and do this. When I retire, I'll start serving God. Or when I've saved up enough money, I'll slow down enough and start following Jesus then. Or when I've accomplished this or that, then I'll give my life over to Jesus the rest of my time. You're, you're following Jesus like, like it's K&W. And you can walk through and pick and choose what you want. I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of Jesus here, and I'll pay a little extra for this side of Jesus as long as I get to continue to have my Mondays through Saturdays. We think that we're rich and that we're good and that we're in need of nothing, but friends, the truth is that we are really broke and blind and naked, and we need to repent, and we need to seek Jesus. We are in desperate need of him, and we need to seek him daily. You look alive, but really you are dead. And so repent and remember the things that you first heard about Jesus and hold fast to them. Because if you don't wake up like a thief, Jesus is going to return. So repent and seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be added to you. So we have the hard path and the rocky soil and the thorny soil. And then we have the good soil. And I believe this is like the disciples that were in the boat with Jesus. They are like the good soil. Look at verse 15 of Luke 8. But the seed in the good soil stands for those with noble and good heart to hear the word and retain it, and by preserving, produce a crop. Did you notice something about all four of those types of soil? All of them heard 
first three went away quickly. And it's only the last that grew and produced a crop. You know, the disciples in the boat with Jesus, at that point, they still didn't fully understand who Jesus was. But they took it all in. They stuck with it. They weren't choked out by the worries of this life. But the truth of who Jesus was was beginning to take root not only in their minds, but down in their hearts, and soon would begin to grow and produce a crop through their changed actions. Like the disciples in the boat, they, they were amazed at who Jesus was. And maybe this is you. And maybe you think, man, I just got a little strength, and I've only got a little faith, but I'm going to give it to God anyway. And I know it's not much, but I, I, I'm going to keep on with Jesus' word, even if I have to suffer to do it. And you think, man, you know, it's not a lot, but every day I'm just going to joyfully give God the best of everything that, that, I, that I am and everything that I have. Like the song that we sing, Yes, I Will, even in the lowest valleys, we are still going to praise his name. Even when things aren't going like we think they should, I'm still going to give you all the honor, God. Even when I'm suffering and I'm hurting because of the things that I'm going through, I'm still going to praise you. Maybe you just have a little bit of strength and a little bit of faith. But maybe you're just going to keep on giving it to God. And friends, if this is you, I want to I encourage you to hold on, to, to keep the faith, to, to not give up on meeting together, not give up on, on doing good. Hold firm, even if you have to suffer for it. Remain faithful, even to the point of death, for eternal life will be given to you through Jesus as a victor's crown. So friends, what soil are you? What type of people are you? Are you like the teacher of the law? Are you like the rocky soil? Are you like the disciple who, uh, who was so concerned about his earthly inheritance? You, you're like the, the soil among the thorns. Or, are you like the mobs that, that just drove Jesus away altogether and you're like the, the soil on the path that is hard and not even going to let it take root at all? Or are you like the disciples in the boat? Uh, are you like the good soil? Friends, the truth of who Jesus is must move from just being something that you know and must take root into your hearts so that Jesus can produce a fruit of changed action. Friends, what soil are you? And what will you do with Jesus? We pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the examples of these four different people. Um, and so, Father, hopefully we can learn from them, uh, especially what not to do. Father, all these different people, they came to the realization of who your son Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. They, they saw it through his teaching and through his miracles. And, and Father, then when they were faced with the cost of following him, they, many of them walked away. And Father, I know... There are many who are faced with all kinds of different things in their life. Sometimes it's the, the heartaches that they're going through right this moment. Sometimes it's the, the lure of, of riches and the pleasures of this life. Sometimes it's the, the being comfortable in the sin that we have known. Father, would you cultivate 
in us? Would you remove out of us all of this dead and broken and destroyed soil? And would you begin to renew in us to make us into the good soil that doesn't just hear but grows? Who doesn't just hear but but produces a crop. Father, help us to allow the truth of who your son is to not only fill our minds, but then to take root in our hearts and to transform our actions. Father, help us to be faithful even with the little that we have. And Father, we ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.